Hey, everybody. Welcome back to It Wasn't Me, a true crime podcast. I am Cindy. And I'm Mercedes. Thanks for joining us this week as we discuss Kathy the Cannibal. (laughs) Our show is often horrifying and graphic, and we will use offensive language. So if you have kids, put them away for a while and join us for a murder. This is a true crime podcast. However, we talk about our lives. We will make jokes. We will laugh during this podcast. So you should probably know before we get started that if you're you more used to a serious take on true crime, then we um, are probably not your cup of tea. So if you're open to hearing two funny women dish on murder, then join us. And if you want to learn more about us, visit our website at it wasn't me true crime.com. We do our best to keep that website updated, but you know, <laughs> anyway, we're back. So if you want to follow us, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And thanks so much for listening. By the way, if you are even slightly entertained by our Southern charm, please leave us a five-star rating along with a comment and spread the word. Recommend our podcast to your friends and family. Yes, please. How are you, lady? Uh, I'm good. It's so good to see you. You know, I got my hair done by our girl today and she's like, oh, Cindy. And I said, well, you know, I said, unfortunately, we've kind of drifted apart a little bit, but just life in general, you know? Yeah. So how are you? I'm doing well. I am actually going to be moving a little bit closer to you soon. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you'll have to dish that out to me. I'm super excited about that. Yes. I mean, it it won't be for, it it won't be until June, but. Okay. Well, that's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. I got to, oh, I told you about my puppy. Yeah. I told you about my puppy. So she's still awesome. I still love her. She still has accidents all over the place, but it's not really her fault it's us not reading her signals yet like we're Um, like oh she was trying to tell she needed to go out that's what she was doing yeah oh yeah anyway got a good one for us this week huh I do it is kind of crazy okay I do not go I will warn you I I do not go like a whole lot into the trial okay because I found like just her life and what led up to her life really interesting so are you ready yeah I'm ready Kathy the cannibal. Okay, I'm intrigued. Yes, so yes, obviously, yes. she's gonna eat some human flesh. Yes. Yeah. All right, Mercedes. So this story starts in Aberdeen, Australia, where a woman named Barbara Ruffin, mother of four sons and wife to a gentleman named Jack, she started an affair with one of Jack's friends by the name of Ken Knight. He also happened to be a co- co-worker of Jack. They lived in a very, very small town. And this was huge, scandalous, gossipy news. So much that Barbara and Ken felt the need to move out of town. So she ran off with this guy. Yeah, she, yep. She ran off with this guy. She left everybody under dust. She has like four sons, two stayed with her dad and two went to go live with an aunt. Barbara, however, went on to have four more children with Ken Knight. Catherine, who is the star of our story, was the youngest born. She actually has a twin, a twin. Oh. So her twin were the youngest born in 1959. Wow. Jack died when Catherine was about four years old and the two, the two brothers came to live with them. Okay. So now she's got six kids, six out of eight of her kids living with her. Right. I mean, that's hard to raise eight kids. Yeah. I imagine so. Yeah. Knight's father, Ken, so Catherine's father, was an alcoholic who openly used violence and intimidation and would rape 
Barbara up to 10 times a day. Oh my God. I can't imagine. Uh, well, Barbara in turn would often tell her daughter's intimate details of her sex life and how much she hated sex and hated men. Mm-hmm. So this is setting, you know, in the psyche of young mm-hmm. Catherine. This almost kind of reminds me of um, Eileen Wernos. I don't know why. Is that her name? Who say her yeah. name? Mm-hmm. The, the yeah. serial killer that was yeah. here in Florida. Who hated men and yeah. Ugh. Yeah, they put her to death. She did. Yeah. Later, when Knight complained to her mother that um, her partners wanted to take part in a sex act she that she didn't want to perform, Barbara's mom told her to put up with it and stop complaining. Whoa. Yeah. Knight claims that she frequently was sexually assaulted by several members of her family, though not by her father. Oh, probably her so brothers. Just, probably just other, yeah, other people. Oh, my God. Uh, which continued until she was at the age of 11. So I, I can't believe how messed up this poor woman must have been. Although there are doubts about the details, psychiatrists accept the claims and the events had been largely confirmed by other family members. Right. Barbara's great-grandmother was an indigenous Australian from the Maori area, and they are treated very poorly. I'm I'm most positive that would be Aborigines. Yeah. Her great-grandmother was indigenous Australian, but her great-grandmother married an Irishman. Okay. Barbara was proud of the fact that she identified as Aboriginal. So she okay. was, she was kept, um, this was kept a family secret as they were, con- there was all the racism at the time and Barbara's descent was a source of tension for the children, but she probably, because her great grandmother married an Irishman, she might not have looked so Aborigine. And apart from her twin sister, the only person whom Knight was close to, I thought she had a twin brother for some reason, but it was a twin sister. Uh, she was close to her uncle, Oscar, who was a champion horseman. She was devastated when he committed suicide in 1969 and continues to maintain that his ghost visits her. And this, at this point, this is when the family moved back to Aberdeen. Okay. She attended high school. Knight became very much a loner and is remembered by classmates as a bully who stood over small children. She assaulted at least one boy at school with a weapon and was once injured by a teacher who subsequently found to have acted in self-defense. Whoa. This, we read about this crap all the time. Mm-hmm. However, when she wasn't like in a rage, she was the model student. She earned awards. She had good behavior. Upon leaving school at 15, without having learned to read or write, she gained employment as a cutter. How could she a- be a model student and she doesn't know how to learn and she doesn't know how to read or write? I mean, I guess a model student would just be like a very well-behaved student. Oh, it's a model student. She, okay. you know, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. I'll do this. But she just was getting, I don't know how she, but she right. earned awards for her good behavior, not her good grades. Okay. And, you know, some of these kids skate by, but she gained employment as a cutter in a clothing factory. And 12 months later, she left the cutting factory and what referred to as her dream job, which was cutting awful, which is awful, 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 awful. Awful time, always called it. I, I know I Google, I looked it up how to say it, and but that was a couple of awful. Ago. Okay. It is pretty awful. It is pretty awful. Yeah. Yes. Because it is the entrails and the org- internal organs of an animal that's used for food. Mm-hmm. So she's removing that stuff. 
And she's at, at a local slaughterhouse, which oh. they called something different, but I, it, it means the same thing. Right. Uh, Cause I wasn't going to say that word there. Um, <laughs> she was quickly promoted to boning and was, <laughs> 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 and was, was quickly promoted, but where she was given her own set of butcher knives. Oh, So she's like, Do yes. like she's learning how to, dismantle a carcass okay at home the knives were hung over her bed so that she would always so that they would always be handy if she needed them okay the habit she continued until her well, you know what if you're worried about somebody coming into your room while you're sleeping yeah then a knife next to your bed would be they were hanging over her bed yeah that would frighten me a little bit <laughs> Right. Well, she manages to get married to a man named David, who was a co-worker there. They got married in 1973. However, he was a heavy drinker, which stemmed from two traumatic incidents from his previous railway job. First, when his best friend was killed in front of him in a shunting or railway train accident. Mm -hmm. And later, when he rescued an injured occupant, uh, occupants of a school bus, which had been struck by a train, killing six children. Holy shit. So he was trying to drink those memories away. Yeah. Right. Which, those would be some pretty bad memories to hold on to. So he eventually lost his job due to his deteriorating behavior and performance. But he soon got work at a local, another nearby slaughterhouse, and he became friends with Knight's brother. Often, this husband would get into a fight and Knight would step in. Like, she would step in and, like, she was his muscle. So if he got in a fight, like, he would go out and pick fights with people and then she would, like, step in and help him? Yeah, she would step in and back him up with her fist. I mean, what does she look like? Is she big? No, she looks just like an old lady. Okay. Like an old lady. Not an old lady, but, you know, she just... Well, but, I mean, yeah. So she was well known for physically threatening anyone who upset her. Mm-hmm. So they... They got married in 1974. Did I say that earlier? I don't think At so. her request, the couple <laughs> the couple arrived at the service on her motorcycle. He was very intoxicated. Oh as soon God. as they arrived, Knight's mother gave her new husband, David, or soon-to-be husband, David, a little bit of advice. And I quote, the old girl, Knight's mother, said to me to watch out. You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing with her, cheating on her. She'll fucking kill you. And that was her mother talking. Oh my God. <laughs> she, told, she told me that, she, that she's got everything loose. She's got a screw loose everywhere. Yeah, if your mom, okay, first of all, I would have been like, okay, so maybe I need to leave. Maybe I need to get on that motorcycle and get back out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the speech she gave. Before well, I mean, he had to be drunk to do it. Yeah, clearly. So on their wedding night, Catherine tried to strangle David. She later explained it was because he fell asleep after only having sex with her three times. And I'm like, okay, three times. I'm like, I'm good. Are these like poor people? Like it, impoverished no, people or no, no drugs? No. I mean, obviously alcohol, but. Right. I haven't even gotten to the weird stuff yet. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> so the marriage pr proved to be particularly very violent. And on one occasion, a heavily pregnant knight 
burned all of David's clothing and shoes before hitting him across the back of the head with a frying pan simply because he had arrived home late from playing darts at a competition in which he reached the finals. So in fear for his life, he fled before collapsing in a neighbor's house and was threatened or treated, excuse me, treated for a severe fractured skull. Oh my God. The police wanted to charge Catherine, but she changed her behavior and she charged the police officer, charged the husband into dropping charges. I mean, how do you sweet talk your way out of that? I have no idea. In May of 1976, shortly before the birth of their first child, Melissa, David left Catherine for another woman and moved to Queensland, apparently unable to cope with the abuse. However, later on, Knight was seen pushing her new baby in a stroller down the street and violently throwing it from side to side like she was shaking it uncontrollably. And then at that point, she was admitted into a local hospital and was diagnosed with postpartum depression. And spent several weeks recovering. Wow. After being released, Catherine placed the two-month-old daughter on a railway line. Oh, my God. Before a train was due to come by, she then stole an axe, went into town, and threatened to kill people. A vagrant known as Old Ted was scavenging scavenging, (laughs) um, near the rail line and found and rescued the baby. By all accounts, only minutes before a train was due was to come by. Wow. So naturally, Catherine was arrested again, or she was arrested and again taken to the hospital. But she recovered and signed herself out the following day. Wow. I wow. know. So a few days later, after that, Catherine slashed the face of a woman with one of her knives hanging over her bed and demanded her to drive to Queensland to find David. The woman escaped only after they stopped at a service station. By the time the police arrived, Knight had taken a young boy hostage and was threatening him with, with said knife. Does she know this woman that she slashed in the face? No. Okay, she's so like she's just kind of like carjacking him. Yeah. Holy shit, she's unhinged. Uh-huh. So she was disarmed when the police attacked her with brooms. Okay. I mean, they didn't want to get cut. Yeah. And she was admitted to the psychiatric hospital again. Knight told the nurses that she intended to kill the mechanic at the service station where they had stopped because he had repaired David's car, which had allowed him to leave and then kill both his her husband and his mother when she arrived in Queensland. Okay. When the police informed David of the incident, he left his girlfriend and moved back to Aberdeen with his mother to support Catherine. Okay, so he then he goes back. Uh-huh. Holy shit. Takes mommy with him. So he just abandoned his child with her, but now he's back. Yes. So Catherine was released from the hospital on August 9th, 1976, into the care of her mother-in-law and David. Then they moved to a different city, which is outside of Brisbane, where she where she got another job at a place called Denmore Meatworks. Why right. is she allowed to have knives? Why? She shouldn't be allowed to have any. Then more. I mean, do, do you listen? When I was little, my dad used to open a can of Denty Moore beef stew. Yes. I you don't know. That. That. Uh, yes. And, but I don't know if it's any relation to Denmore. I don't know. It looked like dog food, but yes, I remember it, it tasted like okay. 
<laughs> on March 6, 1983, they had another kid, Natasha, named Natasha. Knight left David in 1984. So she's leaving this time. She's leaving this time. Okay. Um, first to her parents' house in Aberdeen and then to a rented house in a nearby area. So did he take, did he get, did she leave the kids with him? I don't, it didn't say. Okay. And I don't believe so. So although she returned to work at the slaughterhouse, she injured her back the following year and went on disability. No longer needing to um, rent accommodations close to work. Um, she started to live in like what they deem government housing in Aberdeen. Mm -hmm. All right. So she has a lover now. She takes a lover. She met a 38-year-old minor named David Saunders in 1986. A few months later, he moved in with her and her daughters. Um, he kept his old apartment, however, you know, just in case he needed a place to escape to. Knight soon became jealous regarding what he did when he was not around and would often throw him out. So much that he moved back to his apartment where she would invariably follow and beg him to return. In May of 1987... She cut the throat of a two-month-old dingo puppy in front of him. Oh, hell no. Yeah. It was his puppy? Uh-oh. Uh-huh. For no reason other than just an example of what could happen if he ever had an affair. Yeah. Before knocking him unconscious with yet another frying pan. Well, it's an effective tool. <laughs> it is. She uses what works. Yeah. In June of 1988, she gave birth to a third daughter, Sarah, which prompted Saunders to put up a deposit on a house. Knight paid off the deposit when her workman's comp like, came through in 1989. Knight decorated the house throughout with animal skins, Ew. horns, skulls, rusty animal traps, leather jackets, old boots, machetes, rakes, and pitchforks. No place, including the ceilings, was left uncovered. Okay, but she's got babies. Yes. Oh, my God. I, I picture, like, an old barn where, you know, you have all that, that stuff, yeah. like, hanging on the, you know, everywhere. But I picture all that shit in her house. Yeah. Or, like, one of those restaurants you go in, like, Cracker Barrel or something where they've got stuff hanging everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So after an argument in which she hit Saunders in the face with an iron before stabbing him in the abdomen with a pair of scissors, he moved out. Well, hell yeah. I mean, <laughs> my God. But returned when he found out that she had cut off all his clothes. At this point, Saunders went into hiding. <laughs> Knight tried to find him, but no one admitted to knowing his whereabouts. Several months later, he returned to see his daughter and found that Knight had gone to the police and unjustly told them that she was afraid of him and issued like an injunction against him. Wow. This woman is fucking batshit crazy. She's, yeah, she's like, um, what was that freaking movie? What? Uh, God, it was a long time ago. Like single white female or something like that. Yeah, or some misery shit. Yeah. Well, in 1987... She took another, yeah, 1997. She took another lover and became pregnant okay. by a former co-worker, John Chillingsworth, and gave birth the following year to a boy that they named Eric. Their relationship lasted three years before um, she left him for a man that she'd been having an affair with by the name of John Price. Wow. I don't know how, man, how she, like, 
attracts all these men. Well, I mean, you know, her mom told her whatever the men want, you give it to them. So she's probably giving it to open them. any kind of sexual encounter they want. And you know, men. Yeah. They're like, you gonna let me do that to you? Okay. I mean, they're oh, at least so- into it for a while until they see how that shit crazy she is. And then they're like, oh. Well, the, you're going to let me do that to you would be like the first clue, I think. Yeah, but. I think, yeah. If you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that should be the key that she's nuts right there. Red flag. <laughs> All right. So let me tell you about John Price. I'm going to go a little bit more into John Price because, you know, he's our, our second. He's our co-star here. Okay. John Charles Thomas Price was born April 4th, 1955. He was the father of three children when Knight started having an affair with him. And reputedly, am I saying that word right? A mm-hmm. terrific bloke. Oh, he's a everyone, bloke. Yeah. Everyone just loved him. Liked by everyone who knew him, his own marriage had ended in 1988. While his two-year-old daughter remained with his former wife, the two older children lived with him. Bryce was well aware of Knight's violent reputation. She was, He was well aware of it. Yeah. He was well aware of it. He's like, yeah, sure. I'm going to move in with you. As she moved into his house in 1995. So she moves in in 1995 and he is completely aware of how that shit crazy she is. Okay. His children liked her. He was wow. making a lot of money and working in local mines. And apart from violent arguments at first, life was a bunch of roses. Oh. Everything was great. Well, in 1998, Catherine or Knight and Price fought over his refusal to marry her. In retaliation, she videotaped items he had allegedly stolen from work and sent the tape to his boss. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. Although the items were out-of-date medical kits that he had scavenged from the trash can, mm-hmm. Bryce, uh, Price was fired from his job that he had held for 17 years. As And his boss, he said his boss had no choice. He had to fire him. Well, yeah. Even though he got him like out of a dumpster. That same day, he kicked her out and she returned home while the news of what had, had done had, was spreading through the town. Again, a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, a few months later, Price restarted the relationship, although he still uh, was now refusing to allow her to move back in with him. He's like, I'll be with you, but you're not moving back in with me. Mm-hmm. The fighting would then become even more frequent because she wasn't getting what she wanted. So she was flying into these crazy rages. Mm-hmm. Most of his friends would no longer have anything to do with him while they were together. Right. I mean, that's, that's like common. that one, the stiletto killer. It's the same thing. Like yeah. His friends are like, no. Exactly. Well, in the, uh, February of 2000, a series of assaults, assaults on Price um, culminated with Catherine stabbing him in the chest. Finally fed up, he kicked her out of his house. On February 29th, he stopped at the magistrate's court on his way to work and took out a restraining order in an attempt to keep her away from himself and his children. Wow. That afternoon, Price told his coworkers because he had to get a job somewhere else that he did not come. Um, that if he did not come to work for the next the next day, it would be because she murdered him. Wow! Despite their pleas that Price should not return home, he stated that he was afraid of her and that he was afraid that she would kill his children if he didn't go home. And that's a legitimate fear. Yeah, I mean, she stabbed a puppy. Yeah. So Price arrived home. The the throat of a puppy. Oh my God. Yeah. Price arrived home to 
um, to find her there. And although not herself, she had sent the children away for a sleepover at a friend's house. He spent the evening with his neighbors before returning home and going to bed at 11, 11 p.m. Earlier that day, Knight had bought a new black lingerie and had videotaped all her children. She later arrived at Price's house while he was sleeping and sat and watched TV for a few minutes before taking a shower. She woke Price up and they had sex, after which he fell asleep. She must be really good in bed for all these men to keep going back to her. Well, but I don't think it's just that. I mean, I definitely think that's a huge part of it, especially in the beginning. But then it's almost like it's domestic. It's why the woman can't leave the man, you know? Exactly. Exactly. It's it's domestic violence. It's that Mm -hmm. cycle. Yep. So at 6 a.m. the next morning, the neighbor became concerned that Price's car was still in the driveway. And when he did not arrive at work, his employer sent a worker over to see what was wrong because he had given that warning. (laughs) Both the neighbor and the worker tried knocking on the Price's bedroom door or bedroom window to wake him up. And at that point, they alerted the police after noticing blood on the front door. Oh, wow. So by 8 a.m., the police had arrived. They broke down the back door. Police found Price's body with night comatose from taking a large number of some sort of pills. She had stabbed Price with a butcher knife while he was sleeping. According to the, the blood evidence, he woke up and tried to turn on the light before attempting to escape while she chased him through the house. So there must have been just like blood everywhere. Mm. He managed to open the front door and get outside, but he either stumbled back inside or she dragged him back into the hallway where he finally died from bleeding out. Later, she went into town, withdrew $1,000 from Price's account at the ATM. Price's autopsy revealed that he had at least 37 stab wounds Holy shit! in both the front and back of his body with many of the wounds like hitting his vital organs. Because remember, even though she worked like in a slaughterhouse, mm-hmm. like she was precise, I'm sure, because she was so good at her job. Well, if she's in a rage, though, too, she could just be like, you know, stabbing in his gut over and over. Uh-huh. So this is the real crazy part. Are you ready? Yeah. This is where it gets. I mean, like it hasn't been crazy already. Oh, no, this is nothing. Okay. Okay. Several hours after Price had died, Catherine methodically skinned him. Okay. Hung his skin from a meat hook in the arch of a doorway in like a living room. Okay. It was said that for the skinning was expertly performed. All right. She then decapitated him cooked parts of his body, serving up with meat and baked potato, pumpkin, beet, beetroot, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy in two settings at the dinner table, along with notes on each plate, each having the name of Price's children on it. She was preparing to serve his body to his children. Oh, my God. Okay, so there is, do you know the story from Greek mythology where... The woman, I want to say it's Tantalus was the husband, but I'm, I know for sure I'm pretty wrong on that. Anyway, he was a very abusive husband and something happened. And so she ended up feeding him his children. Yes. Good Lord. And um, ended up feeding them to him. So, yeah. I know about Chrono swallowing his children. Yeah. That's about it. (laughs) I can't remember the guy's name. It'll come to me as soon as we're finished. But yeah. Oh, of course. So a third meal was prepared, but it was thrown on the back like in the back lawn for 
unknown reason. It's speculated that Knight had attempted to eat it, but couldn't, but could not. Okay. This had been put forward in support of her claim that she has no memory of the crime. So she is claiming amnesia. So his head was found in a pot with vegetables. The pot was still warm, estimated to be between 100 and 104 to 122 degrees. And it was almost the- ready because what you want to eat it at about 135. Yeah, no. <laughs> indicating oh, the had taken place earlier in the morning. Sometime later, she arranged the body with the forearm draped over an empty soda bottle with his legs crossed. Skinless. I mean, she skinned him. So she's arranging his body skinless. Like what's left of it anyway, because she's cooking up some of it. Okay. My stomach is like a little bit ill right now. I know. I know. This was claimed in court to be an act of defilement demonstrating Catherine's contempt for Price. Uh, Catherine had left a handwritten note on top of a photograph of Price, bloodstained and covered with small pieces of flesh on it. And it read, and it does, it, to me, it's just like a bunch of rambling. It says, time you got back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. Oh, my. You to Beck, Price's daughter, for Ross, for little John, his son. Now play with little John's dick, John Price. And you see, you can see this, but like how our spelling um, is right. kind of like, I don't think that in Australia, they spell raping, rapping and daughter, D-O-U-T-E-R. Right. She didn't really, you know, she wasn't an excellent student. She just got some well-behavior awards. The okay. accusations in the note were found to be groundless. Oh so God. she's trying to set up, a, I did this to you because of these things. And it did not fly. Night. Um, initial offer of plea uh, offered a plea of guilty to manslaughter, but, but it was rejected. <laughs> and she was arraigned on two on March second, two thousand and one, on charges of murdering Price, to which she entered a plea of not guilty. So she was trying to say guilty to manslaughter, but they were like, "No, we're not taking that." You slaughtered a man, sweetie. Yes, but that's yeah. not what that charge means. <laughs> that's not okay. what that charge means. Yeah, her time was initially. Um, her trial, excuse me, was initially scheduled for July 23rd, 2001, but was adjourned due to her counsel's, her counsel got sick and it was rescheduled in October. When the trial commenced, Justice Barry O'Keefe offered the 60 jury prospects the option of being excused due to the nature of photographic evidence. Wow. Which five people said, yeah, I'm out. I don't want to see all that. When the witness list was read out to the prospects, several more also dropped out um, of the jury, I guess, because of the, I don't really know why they dropped out. So Knight's attorneys then spoke to the judge who adjourned. I wonder if it's because it's such a small town that they weren't able to like say, I don't know this person. I don't know that person. Yeah, exactly. To me, that's got to be the only reason. Mm -hmm. So the next morning, the ju- um, night changed her plea to guilty and the jury was dismissed. I guess she kind of figured out that, okay, I'm fucked. <laughs> and it was made public that Justice O'Keefe had been advised of the plea and, and the change the day before. So after the trial was adjourned, the judge um, ordered a psychiatric assessment overnight to determine if she even understood the consequences of her guilty plea and if she was fit to make such a plea. The legal team 
plan to because they plan to defend her by claiming amnesia and dissociation, a claim supported by most psychiatrists, although they did consider her sane. Two psychiatrists concluded that she suffered from borderline um, borderline personality disorder. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking too, like Jody Arias. Yeah. I um, mean, I have a really good friend of mine who is di- who has that. And I mean, she's not trying to kill other people. She, you know, she well, hurts herself. But it also looks a lot like PTSD. From what I've been reading a lot about it, actually, um, most people who have BPD, it, it's from an early on child trauma. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Er- it's early trauma. But also, didn't you say that she had taken a bunch of pills? Uh-huh. I mean, because that could cause you to dissociate. It could also cause amnesia. Yeah. You don't remember what the hell you did. Unless you took them after she did everything. Well, yeah, but she also has a freaking history of violent behavior. I mean, yeah. this was coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that would all be taken into account, I'm sure. Right. Or well, or or can they? Because, you know, in the United States, it, you know, yeah. things that happened in the past can't be you can't be can't be brought in unless you introduce it. Right. In cases. Yeah. So no reason for her guilty plea was ever given. And even though she put in the guilty plea, she refused to accept responsibility for her actions. At the, sen- um, at the sentencing hearing, her lawyers requested that she not be there so she didn't have to hear some of the facts, but that um, application was denied. When Timothy Lyons took the stand and described the skinning and decapitation, Knight became hysterical and had to be sedated. So I'm assuming um, the Timothy Lyons is probably one of the people that came on scene. Yeah, he's probably like a forensic expert or something. Wow. Yeah. To skin someone. Oh, God, I can't even imagine what that would be like. No. And, just, and that takes some time. When you yeah, think- I mean, yes, because I mean, there's people here, you know, you have hunters in the area and they take them to, you know, meat processing places, like deer processing places, and they have to do that stuff there. And, you know, it's not, it's not pretty. On November 8th, Justice O'Keefe pointed out that the nature of the crime and her lack of remorse required a severe penalty. He sentenced her to life imprisonment, refused to fix a non-parole period, and ordered that her papers be marked never to be released. Good. This is the first time that this has ever been imposed on a woman in Australia's in Australia's history. So is she at a regular prison or is she like at a cycle, you know, like a psych prison? Oh, she's a prison. Okay. In June 2006, she appealed her life sentence, claiming that the penalty for life in prison without possibility of parole was too severe for the killing. Justices Peter McKellen, Michael Adams, and Megan Latham dismissed the appeal in New South Wales Court of Criminal Appeals in September and Justice McKellen writing his judgment. This was an appalling crime, almost beyond contemplation. Say the word for me. Contemplation. Yeah. In a civilized society. Wow. It is appalling. I mean, it It, is appalling. Yep. So that's it. She's in jail forever so she was born in like 19 would you say 1959 uh-huh. so wow she's not that old no she would be like 64 or 65 yeah wow whoa well thanks so much cindy uh, i've never heard of that story so i, I hadn't either um, that's a one new one I, for me thank you yeah actually one of my kids friends 
recommended it. Yeah. My next one, because I had yeah. never heard of it either. And then now oh. I'm doing the research and realize that other people have. So, uh, but, but it's a good one. And I don't care. I know. I kind of want to do the Gainesville murders, you know, those, the college students, just because I work with someone whose dad worked, he was a, an investigator, like for the police department, but he investigated fires, like, uh -huh. and did stuff like that for them. Everybody was busy that night on other murders, uh -huh. other stuff that was going on, investigating other stuff. So he had to show up to this murder scene. And it's the one where, and I'm talking about Danny Rollins. Right. And that he was the one killing nursing students in Gainesville. Is that correct? Or no, Ted no, Bundy he broke into a house. Students. Yeah. He killed in different areas. Ner Ted Bundy killed the nursing students in the sorority. Okay. There are just um, so many of them. Well, so her dad was going up the Is stairs. Is he the one that like set things up, like staged the scenes? Yes. And this particular one is the one where he staged. So he was walking up the stairs and a patrolman came down and said, knew that he was just covering for somebody else. They were like, have you ever been to a murder scene? And then he, he was like, no, I, you know, I do fires. He said, don't go in because it was the one where when they walked in, there was a mirror in front of you uh -huh. and a bookcase behind you. And when you look in, the first thing you see is that mirror. And he, Danny Rollins had cut a girl's head off and put her on the shelf behind him. So oh when you walk God. in, the first thing you see is someone's decapitated head through the mirror. Oh, oh yeah. that's frightening. But my same friend. But see, you know, I haven't heard any of this. Like, I don't, I haven't heard any of those on a podcast. So. Right. It would take a lot of research. It would be a, yeah. But this same friend's best friend dad was an investigator and he investigated and still has all of his notes and stuff. Oh, that would like, be so cool if you could get him to talk to us. Well, on this, it's a different case. Okay. But it's the investigation of Ted Bundy's murder of Kimberly Leach. Oh. And like where they found her and, you know, they found her like in a crab trap or like oh. a alligator trap or cat okay. something like that. Like it was, it was bad. And so, I mean, I've got this one friend who's got the connections to both of those crazy wow. things, but yeah, I don't know that, but she said that they went, they found his notes and like, we're going through it and like all the pictures and everything. Well, how old is her dad now? I don't know. I'll yeah. have to ask. I'll well, ask. she's your age and he still would be pretty young. So yeah, actually. Yeah. She's, yeah. She's a year younger than me, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but I don't know if the, these people are still alive or not. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks everybody for joining us. We appreciate sharing our passion with you. We thank you for your support. If you'd like to support us even further, please consider subscribing to our podcast and giving us a five-star rating with a comment. Your subscription and ratings are essential to our success. And you can do this on your favorite platform. For more information and links to our Facebook, visit our website at itwasn'metmetruecrime.com. I also do update the Instagram. You do. Okay. Do. Right. We don't do Twitter anymore, that right? Yeah, yeah. I don't okay. like Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so please recommend It Wasn't Me to your crime-loving friends and family. Also, thank you to our Patreon supporters. You are the extra. You too can become one of our Patreon supporters by signing up at patreon.com forward slash it wasn't me pod. Thanks again, guys. And remember, it wasn't it me. Wasn't me.